you turn to page 886 in the Pew Bible, if you'd like to use that Bible, uh, you'll find the book of John, chapter 1. John begins this gospel talking about the Word who had everlasting fellowship with God and who was God himself. Uh, and therefore, everything that's been created came through the, the Word, the one that's called the Word. And all life and light, creational or redemptive, comes from this word shining in the darkness. And then after introducing John the Baptist, who was a witness going ahead of this word, he writes this in verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Thus the reading of God's word. Now, if you'd like the outline, it's on the very back of your bulletin at the bottom. Uh, that's the outline that we will be following. And kids, I've got four words for you this morning. Uh, the first one is grip. You know, get a grip, right, they say. Grip, then the word above, above. Then China, mm, going country. Most people in the world, I think, is still ahead of India, China. And then the final word toward the end, revealed. <clears throat> so grip above China, revealed. We'll see how those words spill out. The first <clears throat> thing we're going to consider briefly is this point, don't run with the crowd. You, you get the feel of this passage that... The general event or the general circumstance in history was that the world rejected him and that his own people rejected him. That's the overall statement. Light shone into the world and the world rejected him and his own people rejected him. However, there were some who received him and believed on him. That's the feel of this passage. And so right off the bat, John, as we have said before, is challenging us, are you going to be with the crowd or not? And so it's right off the bat, a, 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 an exhortation, don't run with the crowd. These in verses 9 through 11 went against, I mean, those in 12 and 13, the ones who believed, went against the current. They broke off 
from the safe, fenced, concrete path of the world, and they struck out into the wild forests of Christ's majesty. Won't you be one of them, John is saying. The crowd is headed into oblivion. We will find out more and more in this gospel. The crowd is fixed in this circular, aimless, wandering, slowly descending into a ravine, a way that seems easier, slightly downhill, downhill. but there will be a catastrophe, a catastrophic flash flood that will annihilate anything that is in the ravine. Judgment will fall upon them. And so John is saying, break off from the crowd. Take the upward path that leads to the spectacular plateau of the breathtaking view of God through Jesus Christ, where fruit will be in abundance, where rainfall will come with joy. That is this message. Don't miss out in receiving this Christ So don't run with the crowd. Don't run with the crowd. And secondly, don't refuse his kind, and I'd like for you to insert, offer of authority. That was my fault. That was not just refuse his kind authority. Don't refuse his kind offer of authority. It's kind of like Dwight, right? He wanted to be the uh, assistant. He wanted to be the assistant a regional manager, and Jim reminded him, assistant to the regional manager. Y'all remember that, um, who are office fans. So, of the authority. Only because of whom he was, who he was as the word that made the world, the word who was God, could he then give this authority, this Power, this right, this freedom to become the children of God. Only the Word can do this. At the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And that's why you cannot ignore Jesus Christ or skirt around Jesus Christ if you want to have anything to do with the God who made this world. No matter how popular that is in our society, and it would be offensive to them for us, for them to hear us say that. But there is no way that you can have any dealings with God outside of dealings with Jesus Christ. You go to a store and you want some action, and what do you say? Who's in charge here, right? Well, in heaven and earth, Jesus Christ is in charge. And that's where authority lies. As Jesus, as it says later in John 3, 35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. And so the right to become children of God any capacity to become children of God, it lies in the hands of Christ and Christ alone. As he said in John 14, 6, a familiar passage, no one comes to the Father except by me, by him. It's in his hands. It's no one else's. 
And no one becomes a child of God except by the Son. He has this authority. And this is the authority to be set free from the judgment of sin. It's the authority of having intimate fellowship with the Father as his child now and forever. The authority of free access to the Father at all times. This is authority to inherit the earth with the rest of the saints and reign forever and ever. Don't ignore this opportunity to have your life transformed here and to become an everlasting heir of the kingdom. He's giving you authority to become a child of God. Don't turn your back. Don't ignore him. Because no one gets to the Father. No one belongs to the Father unless Christ grants that authority. Now, you may refuse this authority to become a child of God, but here's a terrible irony about that. If you refuse this authority, this forgiveness, this fellowship with God, His presence with you in His future kingdom, you may stay, you will stay, like you're ignoring the authority to be given you. And the irony is you stay under the authority of the evil one, Satan. That's a terrible irony. The offer of authority to have power over, ultimate power over even the evil forces of this world or remain under the evil forces of this world. You may be thinking, I get it. You say there's this privilege as a child of God that, that Christ would give me, but I really don't care. I just want to lead my own life and be free of all of that. But by running your own life, you are playing into the hands of the evil one. Maybe we should say by running your own life, you're running into the hands of the evil one because that's what he desires. This, this same author, John, also wrote three letters that are tucked away toward the back of the Bible. And in the first of those letters, in chapter 5, toward the end, he's speaking of the world. And in this context, world for John means all of those who are outside of Christ. Okay? So he's talking about the world, those outside of Christ. And he says, the whole world lies in the hand of the evil. In the grip of the evil one. It means in the power of the evil one. Literally it reads, the whole world lies in the evil one. Yikes. There's a belonging there. There's an ownership there. We outside of Christ, don't think that we're being controlled. All we think is, I'm at least ignoring and refusing the control of Christ. But when I'm outside of Christ, I am in the evil one. If I'm doing my thing and not Christ's thing, then I'm doing the evil one's thing. I'm his associate. 
I'm in league with his rebellion against Christ. And what must happen for, for us who by nature are in league with the enemy? This is how Paul puts it in Colossians 1. He says he, he's talking about our spiritual history, what happened to us Christians. And he said he, trans, he, he delivered us from the domain of darkness... Darkness here in John too. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Notice, I go from one domain to another domain. One kingdom to another kingdom. This spiritual geography that happens. This spiritual migration from ownership to ownership. But there's no option that is neutral. You can't be a neutral country like there were in World War II. You must be a part of one kingdom or another. In fact, this word domain of darkness in Colossians 1 actually could be translated the authority of darkness. The same word as here in John. So that we are under the authority of darkness until Jesus gives us the authority to become children of God. But we are under authority as human beings. We're not as strong and as independent as we think we are. We're either with the evil one, who Jesus calls in John 8 a murderer and a liar from the beginning, or we become children of God through Christ, the one who sets us free from this slavery. So... You see the question, will you remain under the authority of the evil one or will you gladly receive the authority to become a child of God? That's the choice here at Christmas for all of us. Well, thirdly, then, don't refuse to receive him. Don't re refuse to receive him. He says this, that there... His own did not receive him, but to all who did receive him. And then it's further defined who believed in his name. And just so to remind us, name represents everything that Christ is, everything that's revealed about him, everything that he has accomplished, all that he has done. A name is, a, I like to say, a kind of treasure word, Right? We begin to believe in all the treasures of God's goodness and greatness that are revealed to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And so to receive him and believe in him basically means, in Paul's words in Ephesians 3.8, to believe in the unsearchable riches of Christ. Name represents the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so... <laughs> It's a joyful thing. Like we get, we get to enter into and welcome everything that Christ is and everything that he has done and will do for us. I love that scene. I've seen it too many times probably because it's not the greatest movie, but I just love the end of National Treasure when they come into that room and it, it's like you can't even see the end of it. This room of historical archives and artifacts and treasures incalculable in their value. And 
That's a great little tiny picture of who you have and what you have in Christ Jesus. Just open the door to Christ and it's endless treasure forever and ever and ever. As we say in our vows, as he's offered in the gospel. And that, that's, it is a word, a phrase to say, as he's offered, don't make up a Jesus, but it means also in all the fullness that he has offered to you in the gospel. Don't leave anything out. <laughs> Welcome all the riches of Christ into your life. Welcome the full treasure. Believe in his name. And when you say believe, it indicates our need. Believe is helpless dependence. It's not a favor we do God. He is our life, our medicine, our healing, our cleansing, our reconstruction. We receive him like people receive food and water after a hurricane or flood or a person receives uh, rescue in a cave-in or a car wreck. And that's why the idea that I've heard a lot in my lifetime, try Jesus, is such a ridiculous slogan. You know, can you imagine? You're injured and trapped in your car after a bad wreck, and the med tech says, how about trying some first aid? You know, like, anyway, we need first aid. We need food and water. We're starving. We're lost. We're blind. We must have rescue. We receive him and helplessly trust. We cast ourselves upon him. We grasp him and hold him close and never let go because we need him so for forgiveness and transformation and a future that cannot be changed. Fourthly, don't count on your own resources as he enumerates here, right? They're born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Human capability means nothing in this. John is emphasizing that no strength or ability or natural fruitfulness of man has anything to do with this birth. It's not blood related. It's not related to relationship between a man and a woman. Uh, nothing human can bring this about. We sometimes say of a remarkable event that has this fantastic outcome, it was a God thing. And John is telling us that every time someone becomes a child of God, it's a God thing. It's not a human thing. It's a God thing. It's a miracle every time. They are born, he says, from God. That means from his will, from his purpose, his desire, his love, his life. The life of God is in them. This is creation language, recreation language, the same kind of language that is used in John 3 when Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, you must be born, and the common translation is born again. I prefer the translation born from above, which means born from God. His life, his working, born from God himself. And that's why we come to Jesus Christ and depend on him alone for salvation. I can't fix myself. I can't rescue myself. I can't change myself. He alone has the authority and power to enable me to be a child of God. So John is 
right up front in this world of, that rejects Christ. Don't be among them. Be among those who helplessly, gladly depend upon Christ to give them the authority to be children, children of God. And then fifthly, and this is more or less looking to the whole of the New Testament as this talk about being made children and belonging to God, to realize what benefits are ours as children. Don't fail to rest in his care, enjoy his care, acknowledge his care, because you're children. God's eye is always upon each of his children. If, if you're, and I know sometimes one kid can steal the show, but if you're watching a play or a musical production or you're watching a football game, or you're watching a basketball game, a soccer game, who's your eye on? You know your eye is on your child, you know? You, yeah, you watch the whole game, but... You, Imagine you miss the fact that your child scored a goal, you know, and after the game, what'd you think, Dad? What? What happened? You know, I scored a goal. Oh, well, I wasn't watching, you know. No, you're, if you know anything about anybody, you know what's going on with your child out there. You can't help it. You're his child. You're his child. And in his infinite capacity, it's the same as if he only had one child, okay? It, it doesn't matter if he's got a billion children. Each of absolute attention. He attends every need exactly and passionately. He never fails as a parent. He's the perfect father. And because he's all-powerful, he's able to govern Everything to our benefit. Nothing can interfere with his good purpose for us. Everything will be used to further his purpose of shaping us into the image of his love. We're his children. At Christmas, it's a wonderful thing to remember, to realize he came so that I could become a child of God. And his love for you, his love has been demonstrated in that while you and I were his enemies, we were ungodly, Paul says, we were sinners. Then he died for us. Yeah, I, I think he loves you with a, a love that we can't even comprehend. We, when we were dead in our sins, fixed against him, he gave himself up to have us. No parent has ever longed for the good of his or her child in the same ballpark as God's desire to do good to his child. You. Unlimited desire and power and wisdom. You're his child. Now, some people, I've had some friends, have had surprise children, right? You think it's over, and 10 years later, surprise. And a few of my friends were rather, one in particular, I won't mention, of course, but he was devastated, you know. He was a little bit older when he, and anyway, he was, he was pretty devastated. Of course, 
by the time the child is born and in the days afterward, sometimes it becomes, it feels like your most precious thing you've ever seen in your life, right? But God meant to have us. He came after us and he came after us hard. He came after us with everything he's got. He sacrificed all he had in order to get us, giving his own son that he might have us as his children. We have friends who made three separate trips to the interior of, uh, interior, interior of China to get every one of their three daughters. I mean, it's hard to calculate everything they spent in time and effort and work and sacrifice to for each one of these daughters. But God came from heaven itself and took our punishment upon himself. And Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. The joy he shared with the Father, working with the Father to gather in a people that he could have forever. He came after you hard, hard. Can you imagine getting to belong to that God? <laughs> you know, we say, maybe for other reasons, no, but somebody like Gates or another, you say, man, well, you're his child. Look what you've got, you know. Of course, we know there's another side to that as well. But a child of God to be under his care, that even our suffering is under his care, even if we die, we're still in his gracious care, his protective hands, we're his children, and even if we die, it's still a part of his boundless love for us because after death, we are in his glorious presence, enjoying his beauty together with all the other children of God who've died. To enjoy his majesty and beauty is beyond a hundred vacations to see all the wonders and beauties of the earth. In fact, let's suppose we could have a tour of all the wonders of the universe. It would take a long time, right? Nothing compared to being in the presence of seeing the glory of God forever. Because you're his child. You're his child. He wants to give himself to you. He wants you to enjoy and be amazed at his beauty. And then at the end of the world, he will return, Jesus, and bring with him all those who have died. And they will receive new and glorious and powerful, indestructible bodies and those who believe in Christ and are still on the earth, they'll be transformed and they'll be forever sinless in a new glorious bodies and you'll transform the whole world into this perfect, forever safe and abundant planet. And his children will inherit that earth. His children will enjoy it and benefit from it and explore it and use it and develop it in joyful collaboration and cooperation. There'll be no more evil. There'll be no jealousy, meanness, anger, loneliness, sadness, or hurt. Only perfect self-forgetfulness in the joy of pouring ourselves out into each other's lives. Will you lose that? Will you lose that and refuse it? 
This is good news that you could be a child of God. And yes, there's suffering in this world. He was with you in this suffering. And there's suffering even because you belong to Christ, but you're identified with Christ. You suffer as children. You follow your Lord. Where he suffered as well. In some circumstances in the past, a person, a sculptor, man or woman has spent months and months, maybe even years, on a sculpture. And let's suppose this person did a sculpture of Samson killing a lion. It came from one block of stone, and yet here's Samson grabbing the lion. There's space underneath them, and here's the perfect shape of a lion in battle with, with Samson. And you just cannot believe the detail, symmetry, and the perfection of everything in this sculpture. But there's a day when the sculpture is brought out, but it's, it's under the veil, right? And nobody's seen it. It's only been in his workshop, and now it's about to be displayed publicly, and the veil is taken off, and it's revealed. It's revealed for everyone to see. And scripture says in Romans 8 that that final day is the revealing of the children of God. In fact, it gets so intimate that Paul says in Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, you'll be revealed with him in glory. And, of course, there's honor and praise, as Peter says, that's associated with our revealing. Honor and praise to us. But the real honor is, just like with this sculptor, you made that out of a block of stone? (laughs) And the angels in all creation will say, you made this out of sinners who despised you, and now they're glorious, powerful perfect in love. Oh, what a God you are. What a God you are. Don't. Don't miss out in being a child of God. Receive him and trust him. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we praise you that you long to give us everything Fellowship and intimacy with the Father. Forgiveness of sins. Your presence and care throughout the whole of our lives. And an everlasting kingdom. We can't even begin to imagine the glory of what you have won for your children. Oh Lord, give us humble hearts, glad hearts to receive and enjoy all that you have purchased for your people. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.